Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the second day of the last day of the month for 2022. And this is episode 648 of Bitcoin. And Fountain App's Twitter account has been suspended. Now, did you hear me? Did, did, did you hear me? Fountain App. All right, that's the, that's the podcasting app, Podcasting 2.0 that I've been recommending everybody use for months now. And no, they're not a sponsor. They have gotten their Twitter account suspended. That's, I was able to verify that. It is, as of this moment anyway, suspended. Oscar Mary of you know, you, the, the head guy over there at Fountain App is inquiring uh, Elon as to why on earth fountain app, which doesn't tweet anything, but Hey, use our app. You know, I've never seen a political statement out of fountain app. I've never seen them say the word Nazi. I've never seen them say, you know, I like the fact that Kanye West loves Hitler. Yeah. We, we might talk about that shit. That was sort of a, (laughs) sort of a, crowning moment of the, of the clown world shit show yesterday, but uh, I digress because I just want to make sure that you understand that I'm pretty sure at this point that Elon Musk is just completely full of shit. I don't think he has any intention of bringing, bringing back the pleb accounts. I think he has every intention. Oh, he did suspend Ye's account, by the way, just so you know. That account got suspended either early this morning or late last night because of the whole Alex Jones show thing that Ye and and Nick Fuentes went on. I don't know. I didn't watch it. I I haven't seen an episode of InfoWars in so long, it's not even funny. But, I mean, yesterday is just clear. It's just just way much clown show. So much clown show. Oh, it it was awesome. So, if you have it in your mind, and you're still on Twitter, and you haven't been kicked off yet... Uh, come to Fountain App. It's at Fountain underscore App, A-P-P. <clears throat> come to their defense if you can. If you got some time, you know, send send some, uh, uh, I don't know, messages to Elon. Ask why on earth he would suspend something like a company that doesn't actually make political statements. And I've never seen Fountain App do anything other than, you know, pimp their product. Adidas does it. Why can't Fountain App? I don't know. Anyway, speaking of Fountain App, I have Boostagrams. I certainly do. From yesterday's show, Bubba 10,000 Satoshi's tokenization. Don't be the token dummy. Larry Fink is a rat fink. (laughs) Pitar with 9,999 sats. 
So you're saying I can't make money by doing absolutely nothing of value? Huh. But it works so well in fiat land. Hmm. Letter 6173 with a striper boost. ESG is a branch of green death cultists that make Jonestown or Heaven's Gate look like amateurs. Yeah, it kind of does, dude, because this is a global shit. It's a global shit show is what that one is. Uh, Hot Potato Head with 1,200 Satoshi says, love the show and your perspective on this crazy world. I'm glad someone does. I really am because sometimes I wonder, am I just batshit crazy? I don't think I am. Uh, I've got a couple here from Bit Happens 1331. I'm going to read the reply to his uh, first boost first. Uh, uh, well, the reply to his boost. He, he didn't boost me again on the reply. He says, I don't want to intrude or disrupt the flow. This just seemed like the best way to establish credentials moving forward with your permission. At some point, I'd like to share a fantastic hypothesis with you and your audience. We can't protect ourselves from something we can't detect or accept. Now, what he's talking about is that he gave me five links as a 666 sat boost uh, that's uh, for skeptics and friends. And we've got like up here, man-made UFO, uh, TR3B. We got weather engineering. We got, uh, let's see, Philadelphia. I think the Philadelphia experiment. Uh, left-hand crypto 666 chip Microsoft. Um, I don't believe what's been decoded, but this statue needs to be shared. And all of these have links. Now, I haven't looked at any of these links. You know, it's possible. It's possible. And I'm not, I'm not being mean here. Bit happens, 1331. Maybe you're apeshit crazy. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're full-on batshit crazy. <clears throat> Maybe... Maybe you're yay crazy. I mean, because that was some, that was like nine kinds of crazy shit that happened yesterday with Kanye, or well, the artist formerly known as Kanye, who is now yay, uh, on the Alex Jones show. I will look at the links. And honestly, I'm probably just going to let you share your perspective. But that one I wanted a boostagram first. I need to know what perspective it is that you want to share the theory that you have you know that your your idea i want to read it first before i move forward because i don't know what you're gonna say and i gotta be at least a little bit of a gatekeeper but i kind of just want i, I definitely want to hear it I, de I don't care how crazy it is i don't care i've heard some what i what i used to think was just grade a psychotic stuff that turned out to be 100% true. So I am no longer in the camp of, oh, there's no way X can't happen because X and several of its little cousins have happened several times before. So if you will do me a favor there, bit happens, 1331. If you'd give me a boostagram, it doesn't even have to be a lot of Satoshis, just like five, I don't care. But give me your reasoning. Do that for me, and we'll we'll let let's watch what happens. Now, on with the show. No, Christine Lagarde, inflation did not come from nowhere. Frederico Rivi from Bitcoin Magazine. 
we are raising interest rates, quote, because we are fighting inflation. Inflation has come out of practically nothing, end quote. So said European Central Bank President and convicted fucking felon Christine Lagarde on the Irish talk show Late Late Show on October the 28th, 2022. Words apparently contradicting a statement that came shortly afterwards in the same interview. Inflation, she said, is caused by Russian President Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine. This energy crisis is causing massive inflation that we have to defeat. So what is it, Christine? Does it come out of nothing or is it all Vladimir Putin's fault? You know, whatever, dude. The day before the interview, the European Central Bank had raised interest rates by a further 75 basis points, bringing the total growth applied in the last three meetings to two full percent, the highest level since 2009. In all likelihood, it will not end there as the Governing Council plans to raise rates further to ensure a timely return of inflation to its medium-term objective of 2%. According to the latest data, the rise in prices in the euro area has actually reached levels never seen in the last 20 years. 9.9% in September compared to the same month last year. Countries like Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia are seeing price increases of 22, 22.5, and 24.1% respectively. In the widespread consensus on the meaning of the term inflation, however, there's a major inconsistency, a distortion of the real concept that leads leaders, experts, and consequently the media to attribute different causes to the word depending on the convenience of the moment with the cause in reality is always and only one. For many, inflation is now synonymous with rising prices. This is not just a widespread belief, but a meaning that has also been adopted by economics textbooks and the official language. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, inflation is, quote, a general continuous increase in prices, end quote. But is this really the case? The Bitcoin teaches us one thing, don't trust, verify. And by verifying, a problem emerges, the reversal of cause and effect. Inflation is treated as the effect of a certain event, an energy crisis, you know, a chip shortage, a, a, a drought can all lead to higher prices for goods and services in se certain sectors. But in reality, inflation in its original meaning does not mean the rise in prices. It indicates its cause. The clue comes directly from etymology. Inflation comes from the Latin word inflatio. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like fellatio itself, a derivative of inflare, i.e. to inflate. Think about inflating a balloon. The act of inflare or inflating is when air is blown from the mouth into the balloon. That's the cause. The immediate consequence of the expansion of the volume of the balloon that is taking in the air is the effect. Pumping new air into the balloon is the action that leads to its expansion. The same reasoning applies to money. The very act of printing money is inflation and its consequences are increases in prices. This reversal of cause and effect was already referred to in the late 1950s as semantic confusion by one of the most prominent economists of the Austrian school, Ludwig von Mises. Quote, there is nowadays a very reprehensible, even dangerous, semantic confusion that makes it extremely difficult for the non-expert to grasp the true state of affairs. Inflation, as the term 
was always used everywhere, and especially in this country, means increasing the quantity of money in banknotes in circulation and the quantity of bank deposits subject to check. But people today use the term inflation to refer to the phenomenon that is an inevitable consequence of inflation. That is the tendency of all prices and wages to rise. The result of this deplorable confusion is that there is no term left to signify the cause of this rise in prices and wages, end quote. If, therefore, there can be many causes of price increases, there cannot be as many causes of inflation because it is itself an origin of price increases. It would be much more adequate and intellectually honest to say that the decrease in purchasing power can result from several factors, including inflation, i.e. the printing of money. So how has the European Central Bank behaved in terms of monetary issuance in the recent years? The most effective figure to understand this is the ECB balance sheet, which shows the countervalue of assets held, those assets for which the Euro Tower does not pay but acquires by creating new currency. As of October 2022, the ECB held almost 9 trillion euros. Before the pandemic, you know, at the beginning of 2019, it had around 4.75 trillion euro. Frankfurt has almost doubled its money supply in three and a half years. If we measure the amount of euro circulating in the form of banknotes and deposits, the figure defined as M1, the number is slightly more reassuring, but not by much. At the beginning of 2019, there were almost 8.5 trillion euro in circulation. Today, there are 11.7 trillion, a growth of 37.6%. Are we really sure then that this price growth, or as it is wrongly called by everyone, inflation, comes from nowhere? Or that it is just a consequence of the war in Ukraine? Given the amount of money supply injected into the market over the last three years, we should count ourselves lucky that the average price growth of goods and services is still stuck at 10% due to the restrictions of the pandemic and the subsequent economic crises we are entering. What does Bitcoin have to do with any of this? Bitcoin has everything to do with it because it was born as an alternative to the economic catastrophes, plural, for which central banks continue to make themselves responsible. An alternative to the bubbles of unsustainable growth alternating with ruinous crises caused by the market manipulations of the interventionist utopia. Bitcoin cannot tell the word that inflation came from nowhere because its code is public and everyone can check its monetary policy. A policy that does not change and cannot be manipulated, it is fixed and will remain so. 2.1 quadrillion satoshis, not one more. Yeah, so I, I just want to make sure that everybody is aware that Christine Lagarde was convicted in French court for loaning or being part of a conspiracy to loan from the, I guess it was at the time, the IMF, something like $405 million to President Sarkozy of France's little buddy, and I can't remember the dude's name. It was an illegal loan. She was found guilty of conspiracy to commit economic fraud. She spent not a single day in jail. She didn't go to any of, the, as far as I know, she did not sit for the 
for the verdict in that case. Instead, she was on a transatlantic flight to New York City where she was greeted at the UN with a party because she was going to become the next head of the European Central Bank coming out of the IMF with a conviction nonetheless. I... How these people are still walking around of their own free volition is quite beyond my capacity for human thought. Not because I expect them to be, you know, actually jailed for their crimes and put into prison for them. No, 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 no. Because at one point or another, I keep thinking that the public is just going to have enough and they're going to take matters into their own hands. The French did it several times (laughs) on several different occasions for varying reasons, but generally speaking, it was all kind of coalescing around the the corrupt, you know, oh, what do they call it? The well-to-do class. But I see nothing. I see protests everywhere in the world and they're all peaceful. And they're all standing there. They're marching somewhere in the street. That's what it always, holding their flags. And they're, look at all these thousands of people. And my God almighty, I have seen some very large protests. The Brazilian protests, you know, is is one of the ones that I looked at a lot going, oh my God, I've, you know, of all the protests that I've seen, I haven't seen a picture of this many people gathered together, you know, ever before. And what were they doing? They were marching. I don't know where they were marching to, but they were sure carrying their flags. That'll help. That'll do it. That'll make sure these people don't serve a single day in jail. That'll make sure that they just keep right on doing everything that they've been doing and they're laughing at you because you're the one freezing your ass off in the street, carrying your little flag, walking down your little street to whatever destination you have in mind. Because that always does something, right? Yeah, fucking right. Whatever, dude. I'm, sometimes I get real sick of it. Do something. You've got 400,000 people in the street. Do something. At least some of the protests in, I want to say it was Venezuela, uh, a few years back. They chased the, the president physically through the street, throwing pots and pans at his ass. At least somebody did something instead of walking around waving their stupid little flag. And speaking of stupid little flags, let's talk about ApeCoin. I talked about it yesterday. And it was like, because, or, or the day before yesterday, I think, <clears throat> they were talking about a 30% rise because it, they were going to go to staking. Well, how quickly the tide turns. And the reason I bring this up is because <clears throat> you need to be able to identify the, where the leeches are where the parasitic graft is. And here it is, Yashua Gola, Cointelegraph. ApeCoin risks a 30% crash after Ape staking debut in December. See, so 48 hours later, after the potential of a 30% rise of ApeCoin due to staking, well, now we're talking about a 30% crash because of Ape staking. You getting where I'm coming from at this point? I want you to be able to see the scam because one of these days soon when all this shit burns finally to the ground, you know where these parasites are going to go? They're going to go to Bitcoin and they're going to be running scams and they're going to have to do it in a way 
that makes you think that they're leveraging Bitcoin's safety. They will not be leveraging any safety whatsoever. They will be making words. They will be putting out news stories. They will be putting out counter narratives to those news stories. I guess to keep everybody in confusion, as long as people are in confusion about one thing, in this case, ApeCoin, then ApeCoin's on your mind. Maybe it's just a marketing tool. I don't know. Let's find out more. The multi-week ApeCoin market rally is nearing exhaustion owing to a mix of technical and fundamental factors. In the past two weeks, Ape price is up over 50% after bottoming out, out at around $2.60. The Ape slash USD pair rebound came in line with similar recovery moves everywhere in the crypto market, but it outperformed topped assets, including Bitcoin and Shitcoin One, as traders pin their hopes on ApeCoin staking debut. The ApeCoin staking feature will debut on December the 5th at apestake.io. According to its developer, Horizon Labs, it will allow users to lock their Ape holdings into four staking pools, ApeCoin pool, uh, BAYC pool, MAYC pool, and paired pool, and that will allow them to earn yield periodically. The feature announcement has resulted in a rise of ape holders count, according to data tracked by Dune Analytics. Notably, it reached 103,000 poor desperate souls on December the 2nd, compared to 94,775 a month ago, which, combined with rising prices, shows an increase in apes' spot demand. But analysts fear that the ape coin staking may become a sell the news event. For instance, Altcoin Sherpa says that one shouldn't buy ape in anticipation of a continuous bull run towards $5 after the staking launch. Here's his statement. Quote, you can probably long until staking starts and then you can just short it. I wouldn't buy here personally, but would wait for a break or a retest. Now, here is where it gets stupid because they just go into technical analysis of ApeCoin and they have charts and lines drawn on said chart and all the same bullshit that you can possibly imagine. But the point is, ladies and gentlemen, is that they're going to bring, once all of their platforms are dead, and I don't know when they'll all die, most, I, you know, actually they're not all going to die anyway. There's, we're always going to have to deal with this kind of crap. However, most of them are going to die. And those people are going to have to go find a home somewhere. You need to know what it is and what language they use and what ideas they posit so that you can avoid them when most of them inevitably try to glom on to Bitcoin's security, which they have no interest in. They have interest that you have interest in it, but they themselves have no interest in Bitcoin, its security, what it promises, any of the rest of its mechanics. They don't care. They care that you care about it. And that's their in. That's the wound that we all hold as Bitcoiners that allows parasites and bacteria and viruses and all manner of sick making bullshit into our bloodstream is because you and I care about the mechanics and security of Bitcoin. They see that. They see that as our weakness. And some people succumb to it. So they will spout everything that you want to hear about Bitcoin security, but they don't care. 
Learn to read the patterns of these grifters now while they're out in the field far away from you. You can look at them through your binoculars and you can tell what they look like, how they walk, how they talk, how they move, what they do. And when you lock that into your consciousness, you'll be able to see those patterns as they start grafting themselves onto Bitcoin and your belief in Bitcoin's security and mechanistic models. And that's where the danger lies. That's why I am not shying away right now, especially considering this climate that we're in, I'm not shying away from telling you about shit coins because I'm not shilling them. You stay as far away from ApeCoin and any of the rest of the stupid crap that you possibly, stay as far away from it as you can. Because when it implodes, you don't want to have anything, you don't want to have any exposure to the pressure wave. All right? But you do need to know that they are going to come here. Eventually, they're going to come here. So be aware. Now, miners are a completely different deal. Bitcoin miner outflow ratio hits six-month high in a new threat to BTC price. William Suber, Cointelegraph. Bitcoin is entering a prime low-risk bottom zone as sellers finally accept FTX losses. Data from on-chain analytics firm Glassnode shows that seller exhaustion is reaching ideal levels for a BTC price leg up. Almost one month after the FTX implosion began, Bitcoin investors have either capitulated and sold at a loss or continue to huddle unrealized losses. As Cointelegraph reported, those losses became significant just days after the event with over 50% of the BTC supply held in the red. Now, another on-chain metric is painting a potentially more bullish picture when it comes to HODLers loss-making BTC investments. The seller exhaustion constant which measures the relationship between supply and profit and 30-day volatility, is repeating behavior from June this year. Originally created by ARK Invest and David Puell, responsible for the Puell multiple, the seller exhaustion constant suggests that when volatility is low but losses are high, it is less likely that Bitcoin will go lower. Quote, specifically, the combination of low volatility and high losses in association with capitulation, complacency, and a bottoming out of the Bitcoin price, Ark explained about the metric in a research piece. Quote, a framework for valuing Bitcoin, end quote, in 2021. That situation reflects the current status quo. And if June price action repeats itself, a relief rally should be due for the BTC-USD pair. In its own description, Glassnode describes such conditions as low-risk bottoms. Hurdles to that relief rally coming to fruition nonetheless remain. Bitcoin miners, feared to be entering a new wave of capitulation, have upped sales of BTC reserves, data confirms. Facing a perfect storm of record hash rate, fading profit margins, miners have signaled that upheaval is coming with Bitcoin network fundamentals only now beginning to adjust to reflect it. Quote, We are potentially entering a double dip, minor capitulatory period, William Clemente, co-founder of crypto research firm Reflexivity Research, warned this week, referring to the popular hash ribbons metric used to monitor minor profitability. Quote, Hash ribbons have just initiated a bearish cross, Historically, this has been a leading indicator of minor capitulation, end quote. 
Glassnode's Miner Outflow Multiple, which measures BTC outflows from miner wallets, you might want to say known miner wallets, relative to their one-year moving average is now at its highest in six months. At 1.073, the multiple, as with seller exhaustion, nonetheless echoes the June macro BTC price bottom. So, what to boil it down, miners have been facing a wall for quite a while, and the FTX situation didn't help, and it actually certainly made it worse. You've got massive amounts of hash rate, right? So the competition for finding a block is as high as it's ever been. And yet we're at 16, you know, we're, we're bouncing between 16 and $17,000. The miners that cannot afford that are going to fold. And you have to ask yourself, ah, how much gasoline do these guys have in the tank before they can reach the next gas station? Or can they reach the next gas station? Some of these guys have been running on fumes for a lot longer than I think that they think they were had been able to. This reminds me of that old Old Testament story about the guys that were under siege atop that mountain, and like they had like only a day's worth. Of, it was like Hanukkah or whatever. They only had a day's worth of oil for the menorah, and somehow or another, it lasted seven days. That it reminds me of that. I'm wondering. I'm sitting here wondering. At what point does the candle get blown out on a lot of these miners, especially the larger ones? I don't know. I wish I did. I wish I could tell you, but I don't know. But what I do know is that there will be minor capitulation. We are not anywhere close to out of the woods yet. And at the, at, at the same time, what's going to happen is you're going to have further contagion situations that come to light in the weeks and, you know, probably the next couple of months ahead, at least. And there are miners that have exposure to FTX. Uh, do I have that? That's probably, let's see. Yeah, I've got that story up for the second half of the show. So let's just wait on that uh, talk, to talk about that until we get there. Meanwhile, the legal team for 3AC liquidators blast founders for shifting blame to FTX Media blitz amid bankruptcy. Turner Wright, Cointelegraph, the founders of Three Arrows Capital or 3AC, the Singapore-based crypto hedge fund with close ties to Terra Labs, have been spending more time engaging on social media and news outlets than dealing with its own liquidation, according to the bankruptcy lawyers. In, in a December 2nd hearing in United States Bankruptcy Court in the Southern District of New York, Lawyers for 3AC's liquidators cited founders Shu Zhu and Kyle da- Kylie Davies for being active and responsive to comments via Twitter, but repeatedly failing to engage with liquidators to discuss the company's assets and related issues. According to the legal team, Zhu and Davies have only had limited discussions with liquidators in addition to changing jurisdictions, often reportedly traveling to Bali and the United Arab Emirates. You know, pausing to say that the UAE is becoming quite the destination for scammers in the crypto space to get away. Just saying, Adam Goldberg a lawyer with Latham and Watkins representing 3AC liquidators through advisory firm Teneo, 
added the founders had spoken to reporters with CNBC and Bloomberg in an apparent effort to rehabilitate rehabilitate their reputations and took advantage of another major crypto firm going belly up. Can you guess who? Quote, Since the collapse of FTX, Mr. Davies has appeared on CNBC and both of the founders have been very active on Twitter, calling out FTX and advancing the theory that FTX caused the debtor's collapse. It's interesting, to say the least, that the first time we've heard this theory that FTX caused the downfall of this debtor was after FTX's own sensational collapse. End quote. Goldberg pointed to ironic behavior from both Zhu and Davies, who have tweeted calls to former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried to, quote, reveal the truth, while seemingly sidestepping responsibility for 3AC creditors. He hinted at methods seeking to compel both the 3AC founders into complying with court proceedings, likely an extension of proposing an alternative means to subpoena Zhu and Davies in October. At the time of publication, it was unclear where the 3AC founders were located. Oh, really? 3AC filed for Chapter 15 bankruptcy on July the 1st in New York Bankruptcy Court. The firm at one point managed more than $10 billion worth of assets, and its liquidation has likely contributed to the ongoing crypto bear market. In the wake of its collapse, crypto lending firms including Voyager Digital, Celsius Network, BlockFi, and FTX have all reported liquidity issues eventually leading to bankruptcy filings. So this is, this is good news for people who know how to get shit done that aren't just out of college. Why do I say that? Because these guys can't actually do the job. They, they're on Twitter. They're probably playing video games in the UAE. I don't know. They're, maybe they're even at the World Cup. But they certainly are, you know, hanging out in Bali and the Bahamas and all these beautiful places with your money. <laughs> with your money. They can't even talk to the lawyers, probably because they don't know how. They probably don't know enough about their own operations, like Sam Bankman-Fried, that they would be able to have a credible discussion about anything. Which means that the late 40-year-olds, the 50-year-olds, the 60-year-olds, and the people in retirement who actually know how to do fuck all are probably going to be able to take right back over and all that thing where, well, they got rid of me because I was old and they want the young blood in because they can work 80 hours a week. Doing what? Tweeting? Is that the work that they do? They ser- Sam Bankman-Fried doesn't even know his own operation. Let that sink in. God, I, hate, I, sh- I should stop saying that. I'm, but let it pass, let it bounce around your gray matter for a while. He doesn't even know the full extent of his own operation. Because he's a kid who plays World of Warcraft and whatever else he plays when he's raising billion-dollar rounds and people think he's awesome for being able to do it. It'd scare the piss out of me if it was my money. And I found out that some dude was, that the guy raising money from me was playing a video game while he was doing it. I wouldn't want to have anything to do with that. But I'm older. I'm telling you, man, it's going to be a renaissance for us old geezers in the future, man. Crypto miners in Russia uh, capitalize on the bear market by hoarding ASIC devices. Cointelegraph, Helen Parts. Cryptocurrency miners in Russia 
appear to be unbothered by the ongoing crisis in crypto mining, as the local demand for mining hardware has reportedly been on the surge in Q4 2022. Some crypto mining hardware distributors in Russia have faced a significant spike in demand for mining-designed application-specific integrated circuit chips, the local news agency Commerasant reported on December the 1st. I know, I mispronounced it. Local dealer Shilkut reported its ASIC sales in November and October exceeded its entire sales in Q3. Over the past nine months, the distributor reportedly sold 65% more hardware than in all of 2021. Quote, we are working with legal entities and we see that they began to buy 30% more equipment in one transaction than at the beginning of the year, in quote, Chilkut development manager Artem Eremin said. Excuse me, hold on. <coughs> Whoopie day. <clears throat> BitRiver, Russia's largest crypto mining focused data center facility, has also recorded a notable increase in demand, reporting seeing 150% growth over the past 10 months. Hmm. Russia's reported surge in demand for cryptocurrency mining hardware comes amid tough times for the mining industry with total Bitcoin mining revenue hitting two-year lows in late November. A number of mining firms, including Argo Blockchain and Core Scientific, have even questioned whether they would be able to continue operations due to massive losses driven by the current bear market in crypto. Miners in Russia have likely been increasingly hoarding crypto ASICs due to reduced prices of mining devices as well as low-cost energy. Yeah, well, I got a theory about this that's coming up. 51 ASIC co-founder Mikhail Brezhnev, Brezhnev? We'll, go, we'll go with Brezhnev, reportedly said that Bitcoin mining in Russia can still be profitable despite a massive drop in BTC price this year. According to the executive, the cost of mining one BTC at the electricity cost of point, well, let's say seven pennies per kilowatt hour with the most basic up-to-date equipment can generate roughly $11,000. At the time of writing, Bitcoin is trading eh, just under 17,000, down about 70% over the past year, according to data from CoinGecko. The industrial crypto mining market in Russia has been benefiting from the current market situation. BitRiver's financial analyst Vladislav Anatonov reportedly said. He noted that the demand for ASIC equipment in the wholesale segment increased due to a drop in purchase prices, which have become as close as possible to the cost of production. That is the best entry point for investment, the expert reportedly said. According to Anatonov, a mining entry during a bear market can potentially generate significant profit of tens of percent over a three-year period. Yeah, he's probably correct, but I got a theory. Why might you ask, would somebody want to enter the mining market when you've got so much hash rate online, a depressed market price of Bitcoin, the very token that you're depending on to you know, make a profit, why would you do that, right? Because it, it, it goes beyond, oh, well, you know, I don't go buy shit just because it's at a lower price unless I'm really interested in it. If I have no interest in X, I don't give a shit if I can pick up X at 10% of what it normally costs. I don't care. All right, well, so why do these people care about mining? Well, that answers itself. And I don't want to get into that because it's easy. They want Bitcoin. Why are they doing it now with all the metrics 
basically through the roof, except for the price, which is through the floor. Because they know that the large American miners are on the cusp of failure. Not all, not all. I'm not saying that all. I'm just saying that all, the, the mindset behind FTX and Terra Luna and basically the West of the Western Ponzi scheme, if you think that that attitude is not present in major mining infrastructure companies right now, that are operating in Texas, and some of them are actually still operating in New York, God only knows how, and a few other places. If you don't think that that mindset is present there, then you are wrong. And that mindset is exactly what got everybody in trouble in the first place. These guys are eventually going to get into trouble. We're going to see major routes in mining, and guess who's going to be there to pick up the pieces? Russia, again. It's like the clown show never ends and neither does anything else. And we'll prove it by running the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. West Texas intermediate today is down one and a half point to $80 and two cents a barrel. Uh, Brent North Sea is down likewise 1.66% to $85.44. And natural gas kicking the crotch, almost a full six points down, $6.34 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline down almost 3%, $2.27 a gallon. Gold and the rest of the metal futures basically are mixed. Gold is down, well, not futures, the market's open at this point, 0.33% to $1,809. Silver is up almost two points to $2,328. Platinum down almost three points. Copper is up almost a point. Palladium is down two and a third point. Agriculture stuff is mostly down. Biggest loser today is going to be wheat down 2.59%. Biggest winner is chocolate or cocoa, uh, 0.75% to the upside. And Dow is down a third of a point. S&P is down over half a point. NASDAQ is down well over a point. And the S&P mini is down scant 0.05%. Real money is at uh, $16,944. We are waiting on five blocks to clear 4,917 transactions. We have a $325.7 billion market cap. That's 2.64% uh, of gold's entire market cap. You can get 9.2 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,222,485.92 of. And 5,077.59 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $86 million, being run over 15,979 nodes, sporting 76,310 payment channels, and 68.5% of all that shit's being run over Tor. That's going to do it for your vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Mike Novogratz says Bankman Fried is delusional and headed to jail. Cointelegraph, Martin Young. <clears throat> ah, Mikey. 
Former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried has been lambasted this week following a series of controversial public appearances with Galaxy Digital's Mike Novogratz, one of the latest to dish out a lashing to the former kingpin of crypto. On December the 1st, Galaxy Digital CEO Mike Novogratz unleashed a tirade of criticisms toward SBF concerning his interview with Andrew Ross Sorkin at the New York Times annual Deal Book Summit on November the 30th. Speaking to Bloomberg, Novogratz characterized SBF as delusional following his declaration in the live interview that he never tried to commit fraud. Quote, It's kind of surprising that his lawyers are letting him speak, Novogratz said before adding, Having watched two interviews, the word delusional kept coming to mind. End quote. The lambasting didn't stop there, with Novogratz echoing the sentiment from many prominent figures in the crypto community that jail time is necessary for the former FTX CEO. Quote, the reality is that Sam and his cohorts perpetuated a fraud and he stole money from people. People should go to jail. End quote. <clears throat> Galaxy Digital is among the victims of the FTX collapse, having disclosed a $76.8 million exposure to the bankrupt firm. The former FTX CEO also appeared to be taking part in a spree of media appearances over the last few days. Yeah, I've got something to say about that. During the interview <clears throat> on Good Morning America on December the 1st, SBF insisted that FTX was not a Ponzi scheme but was a real business and denied knowledge of FTX customer deposits being used to pay Alameda's creditors. <laughs> In a recent Twitter Spaces interview with IBC Group founder and CEO Mario Knopfel, SBF again pleaded ignorance to what was occurring with his companies. When asked about what actually happened, his, his responses were, you know, vague. Quote, I, you know, basically, and I should caveat this by saying that I, unfortunately, don't have access to most of the data right now. Oh, that's so clear. The reaction was equally vociferous, with many suggesting that SBF was trying to paint a picture of his unfamiliarity and ignorance of what was going on. Kraken co-founder Jesse Powell also called out SBF for misunderstanding how margin trading works. And here's his tweet, Jesse Powell, at just Powell. SBF is completely full of shit about how margin trading works. He's saying that the whole exchange operated on a net account equity model and anybody could borrow anything in any amount from client funds or, you know, from nowhere. That's not how it should work. Yeah, well, you know, life isn't always fair there, Jess. The creator of Bitboy, why this fuck this guy is in the news all the time is beyond me. The creator of Bitboy Crypto, Ben Armstrong, is understood to have arranged his own Twitter Spaces event with SBF set for December the 3rd. Meanwhile, the crypto community has roasted SBF this week over his incoherent responses and lack of accountability. On December the 1st, Reflexivity Research co-founder Will Clemente said the NYT interview was painful to watch, adding, quote, SBF is clearly talking straight out of his ass. Can't give a straight answer or even look at the camera. He's just digging himself a deeper hole. Okay, what's going on here? Why is SBF not in jail? Why is SBF being invited on all these media outlets why? Why? Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I actually have to find something here, first of all. Um, 
so we can go directly into it. <sighs> yeah, I, I just had to rearrange a couple of tabs here. Ladies and gentlemen, what you are witnessing is what's known as human laundering. We've heard of money laundering. We all know about money laundering, but few, very few people actually can access the part of their brain that understands what human laundering is. That's what they're doing to SBF. He is so toxic that he has to be literally soaked in detergent and cleansed in public by people such as the New York Times, and as we'll see Maxine Waters here in a second, and Good Morning America, and George Stephanopoulos, and all these people that quote-unquote are the trusted brand of world media are sitting around a naked, shivering child that fell into mud and are doing everything that they can to scrub his ass squeaky clean in public so that the king doesn't, I don't know, chop his head off. I don't know. Chances are real good it's because he's so toxic to them, meaning it's not going to be very hard to peel back the threads that connect all these people directly back to SBF. That I scratch your back, you scratch mine. That gets, you know, out in public and people, you know, several hundred people have lost millions of dollars in their life savings, even if it's not several million dollars. Let's say I only had $10,000 to my name and I lost it all on SBF. Yep, I'm not going to be happy. They're doing everything that they can to scrub this kid clean. And it's embarrassing to watch. I've never seen anything quite like this before in my life, but this is what is known as human laundering. Like I said, you know money laundering. You take dirty money, you make it clean. That's what they're doing to an actual human being right in front of your eyes. Don't be fooled. All of these people are fucking corrupt, like Maxine Waters, who thanks SBF for being candid about the FTX collapse. Oh, bullshit. You're as dirty as he is, you stupid bitch. I'm sorry, I had to say it. Decrypt.co, Matt DeSalvo is going to piss me off with this one. House Financial Services, Claire Maxine Waters, not Claire, Chair, Maxine Waters, today thanked disgraced FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried for being candid when talking about the bankrupt exchange. Thanked him, Maxine Waters. Chair of House Financial Services, Maxine Waters, thanked SBF. It's not just the media that has a brush in their hand scrubbing this kid clean. It's Maxine Water, Waters and the rest of anybody that had anything to do with SBF has a bar of soap in one hand and a big old horsehair scrub brush in the other. And they are going to get their hands as dirty as they possibly can, as fast as they can, to scrub the shit off of this poor child. Waters also invited Bankman Fried, who ran FTX until early November before its ignominious and well-publicized crash, to testify before the committee. The bipartisan hearing will take place on December the 13th, and we'll look into FTX's fall and its broader consequences for the digital asset ecosystem. 
Since FTX's bankruptcy, Bankman-Fried had, apart from writing strange tweets, largely been laying low. But on Wednesday, he made a public appearance at the DealBook Summit in New York Times, followed up by a Thursday interview on Good Morning America and an evening Twitter spaces attended by more than 39,000 people. By the way, here's Maxine Waters, chair of the banking committee. This is her tweet. At SBF underscore FTX. We appreciate that you've been candid in your discussions about what happened at FTX. Yeah, well, he doesn't know what happened at FTX, Maxine. He knew nothing. He'd said everything at DealBook. He didn't know anything about what was going on. So how could he be candid about what happened? Continuing, your willingness to talk to the public will help the company's customers, investors, and others. Bullshit. To that end, we would welcome your participation in our hearing on the 13th. Oh, goody. Will there be Domino's Pizza and Jimmy John sandwiches? I hope so. I really like Jimmy John's. Quote, we appreciate that you've been candid in your discussions about what happened at FTX, Water said on Friday on Twitter. Quote, your willingness to talk. Yeah, we already went through that shit. FTX's crash has prompted U.S. lawmakers to try and figure out how to regulate the fast-moving and complex world of cryptocurrencies. Popular exchange and its over 100 related entities went bust largely because of mismanagement at the top. Well, it's alleged. Once one of the biggest crypto exchanges which specialized in derivatives trading, FTX allegedly used customer cash to make bets on other platforms set up by Bankman Fried, Trading House, Alameda Research. What's more, Alameda may have had an unfair advantage when trading against FTX users. Well, of course, you dipshit. I.e., you know, read that as Robin Hood. Come on, man. According to newly appointed FTX CEO John J. Ray of Enron liquidation fame, <clears throat> Alameda had secret exemptions from liquidations on FTX. Yet somehow, Alameda still lost billions. And when the contents of Alameda's balance sheets came to light, FTX customers wanted out and a bank run led to the exchange's collapse. Billions of dollars of clients' money went up in smoke and a lot is still missing after it was unexplainably sucked out of the exchange the night that the company filed for bankruptcy. The United States Securities and Exchange Commission, the Department of Justice, and regulators in several U.S. states are investigating bankman fraud. We know that. Okay. So... First of all, we, apparently we still don't know whether or not the Bahamian liquidators did that quote-unquote hack or whether it was a real hack because now the lawyers are saying we didn't have anything, the bankruptcy guys are saying we didn't have anything to do with forcing the, the, the transfer out of FTX monies into other wallets. Whereas when that first started happening, right after the first thing we heard was that the bah the Bahamian regulators mandated that they do that. And then all that shit was put to rest. Well, now we don't know. That's where we're at. We don't know what happened with the hack. Was it a hack? Was it not a hack? If it was a hack, or even if it wasn't a hack, where did the money go? What's going on with the money now? Nobody knows because they're too busy scrubbing the golden child of all the horse shit that he fell into. Why would you work that hard to scrub this kid clean if you didn't have a real need to make sure that he was clean? What are they hiding? We know what they're hiding. When will it come to light? 
will it come to light? Probably not. Actually, it will probably come to light. And you know what's going to happen? Nothing. Again, nothing. Why? Because we lived and have been living and will apparently continue to live in the most corrupt state of human thinking. Look at our architecture. Look at our food. Look at what we've done to soil out in farm fields because of conventional ag. And I'm not getting on the farmers. They've been put in this position well before they were even born. The ranchers have been put in this position well before they were even born because some idiot decided that they wanted to shove all the fucking cattle into a CAFO, a confined animal feeding operation, and all of the overhead that they were able to save by doing that was absorbed by what? The derivatives market and futures on cattle prices. Same with corn, same with wheat, same with everything. Every single fucking dime that was ever saved by efficiencies in any of these markets was absorbed by derivatives markets. And you've seen what that shit did. And it's happening again. And it's going to continue to happen until 400,000 people in the streets stop walking to some unbeknownst destination carrying their little flags and start doing something kinetic. Meanwhile, politicians are giving back their donations from disgraced FTX founder, Stacey Elliott, Decrypt.co. U.S. politicians, many of them Democrats, have been very publicly returning or giving away campaign donations from for former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried. Even before his crypto exchange and trading desk, FTX.com and Alameda Research filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, Bankman-Fried was drawing criticism for the $46.5 million he donated to political candidates. A public spreadsheet shared by OpenSecrets.org, a nonprofit that tracks U.S. campaign finance and lobbying, shows that the vast majority of those donations have gone to Democrats. The $46.5 million in total ranks Bankman Fried second only to Democratic mega donor George Soros. What follows is a list of politicians who've returned or said they were redonating the money received from Bankman Fried to a charitable organization. Their returned or redonated contributions represents $1.2 million of Bankman Fried's political contributions, roughly a mere 3% of all his campaign donations. Let's just read that sentence again because it's important. Their returned or redonated contributions represents a mere $1.2 million dollars of the SBF political contributions, which is only 3% of the campaign contributions that totaled $46.5 million. Jeez. Let's find out more among the politicians who received money from Bankman Fried, but either haven't returned or re-gifted the money or haven't said publicly that they did, are John Bozeman, Debbie Stabnow, and uh, let's see, uh, Senator Bob Menendez, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, oh, and Mitt Romney, the only Republican in that particular list. The full list of recipients can be found on Open Secrets. Uh, is that opensecrets.org? Uh, open Secrets, let's make sure. Open Secrets. Oh, oh, it's never mind. It's it's actually a Google spreadsheet that they've got linked here. So I, I don't know. Uh, just go to Open Secrets or Google it or 
DuckDuckGo it or whatever you want to do. You'll find it. A spokesperson for Beto O'Rourke, gubernatorial's campaign, told the Texas Tribune that he returned a $1 million donation, one of the largest single checks it had received to Sam Bankman Fried a week before FTX filed for bankruptcy. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. A full week before they filed for bankruptcy. I guess, I guess he, I guess Beto O'Rourke could say, well, yeah, after we read that Coindesk article, we knew shit was going to go south. So, okay, I'll give you that. That one, I'll, I'll give you that one. Quote, this contribution was unsolicited and the campaign's upcoming Texas Ethics Commission report will show that it was returned back on November the 4th prior to the news stories that would later come out about the donor, the spokesperson said. O'Rourke also received $100,000 from former FTX head of engineering, Nishad Singh, but hasn't yet said whether that money has been returned. Senator Dick Durbin, an aide for Dick Durbin, who joined Senator Elizabeth Warren earlier this month in calling on Bankman Fried and current FTX CEO John Ray III to provide answers to lawmakers about the company's collapse, told CNBC, that the senator has donated $2,900 he received from Bankman Fried to, quote, an appropriate charity, end quote. An appro- I've got a thought. We'll get to it. Open Secrets data shows that the former FTX CEO also gave $5,000 to Prairie Pack, a leadership political action committee that raised $240,000 for Durbin in the 2022 cycle. The senator's office did not respond to a request for comment on the PAC donation from Decrypt. Senator Gillibrand told Yahoo Finance that she planned to donate the $16,600 she'd received from SBF to Arriva Incorporated, a Bronx charity that provides free financial counseling and tax services in New York. In June, Senator Kristen Gillibrand co-sponsored and introduced the Responsible Financial Innovation Act, which she co-sponsored with Senator Cynthia Lummis. Now, at the time, it was said that the bill would end the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's oversight of most of the crypto industry, create a $200 tax exemption for reporting gains on tax returns, and shift regulatory responsibilities to the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. It was last discussed during a Senate Banking Committee hearing on November the 15th, but not yet been put to a vote. Representative Jesus Garcia donated $2,900, the same amount a Bankman Fried gave to his 2022 campaign to the Northwest Center in Chicago. The nonprofit provides uh, financial literacy services. <laughs> Oh my God. Over the summer, the former FTX CEO donated $27 million to the Project Our Future, Our Future Pact, or no, I'm sorry, Protect Our Future Pact, which then made a contribution to Garcia's campaign. John Boozman told the Wall Street Journal that he would be donating the money he received from Bankman Fried to charity. The Arkansas Senator co-sponsored the Digital Commodities Consumer Protection Act with Debbie Stabnow. The former CEO, FTX CEO, was very supportive of it, but took some heat for his support because the DCCPA was viewed as potentially harmful to decentralized finance. Now, that's the end of the article, but that's clearly not the end of the story. How much you want to bet that every single one of these quote-unquote charities that these people are quote-unquote giving the money back to uh, have direct connections with 
these senators or co these Congress people, let's just call them. Of course they do. They probably sit on the board of them. Do you think that they'll probably be able to get that, recover that money through some nefarious means? I don't know. At, at so, the levels that I'm looking at right here, you know, it's only 3% of the $46.5 million donated, right? This is, this is the untangling of this one just by itself is probably going to take a full year if anybody will actually do it. But, eh, you know, they probably won't even care. They're just, you know, this like, I don't know, cost of doing business. They give it to these charities. Chances are good though. I'll bet that actually, you know, that $2,900 goes to buy a fancy fucking lunch for that particular senator who is in cahoots with that quote unquote charity to take his buddies out and talk about their plans for, I don't know, world domination or president of the United States or some shit like that. Okay, so first of all, it's all bullshit. Don't believe a goddamn word of it because it's all 100% pure stinking bullshit. Now, second thing is, we've really got to remember that we're just talking about 3% of the reported $46.5 million that went to all these people. And as of, there's a lot more people than just that was mentioned in this article. Just understand that, right? Why aren't they giving it back to the bankruptcy lawyers so that they can make the creditors whole? Yeah, it's, that's an honest question. I would expect an honest answer, except who am I asking? <laughs> the most dishonest people that have ever graced this planet. So I'm never going to get that answer. No, no, no. You got to ask yourself, what's the motivation of not giving it back to the bankruptcy? Uh, There's going to be a fund, right? And, and that fund has already been created by the bankruptcy lawyers. What you do is you call the bankruptcy guys for FBX and you say, hey, you know, I got to get rid of this money. It's making me look bad. I had no idea that it was this dirty. Uh, give it back so that you can at least do something you know, with it for the creditors. That's what you do. What you don't do is you don't give it to charity because the creditors that lost their money, some of them, their life savings, again, that's their money. That's their money. And here we have United States Congress people that can't actually see that connection. And they're, I don't know if they think that they're doing good. You see how on fire the dumpster car is that the burning clowns are getting out of and we're still clapping and laughing and not seeing it as the horrific human burning of clowns that we're actually witnessing. We're, st we're still sitting thinking this is part of the show and no, the clowns are on fire. The, the, the clown car is actually a dumpster fire and they're running for their lives and they're on fire getting third degree burns as we speak. And what are we doing? We're, we're clapping in the stands and eating our fucking popcorn and roasted peanuts because we still think it's part of the clown show. The circus tent is about to catch on fire. And if we don't get out of it, that whole thing is going to collapse on us and burn us all to death. And I hate to be so goddamn graphic about it, but... This isn't, this isn't a playground brawl in fifth grade. This is real life. The damage that has been done by all these people, I, I, I've never seen anything like it except full-scale war. What do you think? Send me a boost -a -gram. Tell me what you think. 
Now, let's see, is there anything more interesting here to get into? Uh, yeah, let's talk about the Bitcoin miners contagion. <clears throat> let's get into a little bit of that because we were talking about the Russians uh, being on deck to buy distressed assets. That's what it, what it boils down to is that they're, they're, they're vultures. That's okay. <clears throat> vultures got to live too. Coindesk, Eliza Gritsky or Gritsky, I can't pronounce it. Bitcoin miners FTX contagion exposure may amplify industry pain. Yes, it will. Not may, it will. Bitcoin miners, which already have up to $2.5 billion in loans outstanding, could find themselves in even hotter water as many have exposure to failed crypto exchange FTX and lenders such as BlockFi. Miners' balance sheets have been steadily deteriorating over the past few months as the price of Bitcoin has slumped, killing their revenue. Meanwhile, energy prices have soared, increasing their costs. This has resulted in one of the biggest mining data center operators in the United States, Compute North, to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in September. While big players such as Core Scientific, Argo Blockchain, and Green Ridge Generation They've all said that they are in a liquidity crunch. The stock prices of all three pub publicly traded miners have plunged more than 90% this year. Oh my God. They're getting killed from all sides, y'all. It's like a deer and there's five hunters li li literally scoping the same deer. There's, there's no surviving this. Now, some of the lenders working with these already struggling Bitcoin miners are in deeper trouble as if after getting caught up in the FTX blow up, potentially causing yet another major hit for the mining industry. Quote, ASIC financers going through distress and bankruptcy will contribute to the cost of capital rising significantly in the space and access to capital drying up, said mining firm service firm Luxor's chief operating officer, Ethan Vera, who also estimated the total debt of up to $2.5 billion outstanding for all the miners. If lenders go bankrupt, creditors are likely to try to liquidate some of the equipment loans, he said. In some cases, quote, it might be too difficult for a bankrupt company to continue to operate a loan book, in which case liquidating these existing loans will result in a significant haircut, according to Vera. Not many miners have direct exposure to FTX's assets. However, the crypto exchange contributed to a $431 million funding round for minor Genesis digital assets in September of last year. The company's spokesperson didn't comment on FTX's investment, but said GDA has no assets or accounts with FTX. Genesis Digital Assets is not related to Coindesk's sister company, Genesis Global. Other key forms of exposure came from mining companies taking out large sums of loans from lenders such as BlockFi, Silvergate, and Galaxy Digital, all of which have some exposure to Sam Bankman-Fried's exchange. Still, considering that many miners are private and don't share their debt obligations or exposure, the impact of the FTX implosion is uncertain. Quote, we don't know where all of the exposed counterparties are, and so for the industry, it's really going to depend where new holes show up, end quote. Jamie Leverton, CEO of HUT8, said during the firm's third quarter's earning call. BlockFi became one of the many victims of the FTX contagion and filed for bankruptcy protection in a federal court in New Jersey. The lender holds at least three mining machine-backed loans to publicly listed companies 
crucially, the $54 million that Core Scientific owes the lender. The miner, the United States' biggest by compute power, is currently in talks to restructure its debt obligations with that that totaled about $244 million in loans and $597 million in convertible and promissory notes at the end of the third quarter. A core scientific spokesperson did not respond to CoinDesk's request for comment. Canadian miner BitFarms also borrowed $32 million from BlockFi, but only about $22 million of that is outstanding as of the end of September. Meanwhile, Peer Cipher Mining secured a $46.9 million credit facility for a joint venture with energy firm WindHQ, which, of which it owns 49%. Cypher CEO Tyler Page said that the company has drawn about $26 million of the BlockFi facility and never anticipated any further draws after a second one made in August, so it isn't concerned about BlockFi's issues, yeah, so they say. Less than $10 million of that is outstanding, and the joint venture continues to service the debt as expected. BlockFi and other lenders also hold undisclosed debt to privately held miners, which is hard to estimate due to non-disclosure agreements. BlockFi spokespersons did not respond to requests for comment on the story. And then there's a little bit more about uh, Silvergate Capital and Galaxy Digital and Foundry. Get it together, people. When I say don't use leverage and don't take loans, that also applies beyond retail. It applies to people that are trying to start up a business. And all of that shit that I just explained to you, that's all legacy financial thinking. They're still thinking in the exact same thought patterns that Bitcoin sought to destroy, or at least make irrelevant. But no, 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 no. Humans have this in, inordinate capacity to hold on to bullshit bad ideas longer than a bear can hold on to the skin of trout. And that ain't too long. I'm just, it's, I don't know what to say about this anymore. I don't really have anything. It's just, it's just, it's more stupid. It's a plate of stupid. It's like, it's like a, a furs cafeteria. It's just nothing but stupid. I've got eight plates of stupid on my tray and I, I, I don't know if I can eat it all because it's just, that's just way too much stupid. Stupid green beans, stupid corn, stupid catfish, stupid chicken fried steak. It's all fucking stupid. And they're all going to burn down. And they're all going to take their creditors with them as well. And I don't know, you know, I think the only thing that we need to figure out as to the extent of this is how many dominoes are there in this particular row? Because they're all going to fall down. Anybody who has exposure to any of this crap is going to get burned alive like a witch. And it's going to hurt. And we're probably not going to learn our lesson again. And what's, up, what's on deck next, ladies and gentlemen? Let's say this finally all ends. What's next on deck? What have I told you? Say the word with me. Staking. Staking is next. All the staking bullshit. It hasn't even be, really begun yet. You're about to see, if you were not present for the crank up of Sushi Swap, which start basically is the, that's sort of the pin in the map. Sushi swap and all that shit. That's what started DeFi. That's what started 
yield. That's what started all this shit. Now, loans, that was being done before that. BlockFi was was present before the inception of SushiSwap and Yamcoin and trading sushi for trout, whatever. I, you know, if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. But if you weren't there, you're about to see that entire thing play out again. It started as a trickle. And the next thing you know, the dam broke and everybody was swimming in deep, deep water. Nobody knew who was naked. Well, all that water has now gone on down the valley. What do we do? We're going to build another dam and it's going to start as a trickle. And then the next thing you know, the dam's going to burst and then all that water is going to flow down the valley. Maybe after staking dies or, or, or gets blown the fuck out, maybe then humans learn. I don't know. I, I actually don't expect it, but maybe then. But staking is next. That's my point. And we're not even done clearing up this crap. They've still got an eight-year-old Sam Bankman fried in a wash tub scrubbing him down like nobody's business. They're not even done with this one yet. And the 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 winds, the, the whispers in the wind are already whistling and they're saying staking. <clears throat> and that started with Ethereum. And now you got ApeCoin and they're talking about staking and nobody can decide if it's going to be a 30% rise or a sell the news event. Well, it's going to be a sell the news event. And then idiots are going to ape into it and say staking. And then you're going to get the Twitter influencers. You're going to get the YouTube influencers and the Instagram influencers, and they're all going to be staked. They're going to tell you, I can't believe you're not staked yet. I've been staked forever. No, you haven't. Not until you got paid. BitBoy Crypto, he's going to be right there. He's going to be right there. He's going to be all over staking. Fucking guarantee it. And some people are going to listen to him. Lots of people, in fact. A lot more people. I'm going to estimate that 100 times more people than listen to this show total are going to get burned the fuck down in at least two years' time by listening to what BitBoy Crypto has to say. Because apparently, his show is more valuable than this show even though all he ever does is lead people to certain death and destruction. Is that what I have to do to get a better listenership? Well, if that's the case, then I'm just going to be talking to you because I'm not going to do it. Now, let's just say that that's going to do it for the morning roundup. If we ever needed a joke, now is the time. Dad says jokes. This time it is actually from Dad Says Jokes on Twitter. Today, a large truck of hair-restoring tonic overturned and flooded the street. Police are combing the area. If you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Fountain app, even though they've been suspended off of Twitter... I'm sure did nothing wrong. I have no idea why they got suspended off of Twitter, but it is my go-to podcasting 2.0 podcatcher. With it, you can stream me Satoshis while I stream you these dulcet tones. You can boost a Grammy by sending me a message. You can tell me how ape shit stupid and crazy I am for today's show, if you would like to. Just, I ask that you attach at least five Satoshis to that message. I'll probably read it on air. So, 
be aware if you don't want it read on air. Actually, that should, I, I should make that disclaimer. If for whatever reason you want to boost me something and you want to tell me something, but you don't want it read on air, then the first sentence of your boostagram should be in all caps, do not read on air. Do not read on air. Now, <clears throat> so far, I don't think that I've embarrassed anybody, but I don't want to, right? I, if you want it to, if you want it to be kept just between you and me, all caps, first sentence, do not read on air, and I will respect your wishes. I don't care even if you call me a troglodyte. I promise I will not read your shit on air. Your privacy is more important than my ego, right? So, fountain app, fountain app, fountain app. No, they're not a sponsor, but if you know somebody from Fountain App and they're looking to sponsor somebody, send them my way because I love their product. I didn't use it for a long time because it heated up my phone and I sent it. That I, I actually got an email from Oscar Mary and he's like, hey, and this is back in the early days of Fountain App when it was really still small and it was just kind of in beta and all that kind of stuff. And he, he uh, it was either him or one of the other guys from Fountain App said, hey, you haven't been using Fountain App for a while, you know, because they know who I am. I gave him my, my email address. They, you know, I, I can selectively give my data to people that I respect. And I respect the guys at Fountain App. They wrote me and they're like, you haven't used it. Why? Is there a problem? If there is, please tell us. And I told him, I go, dude, the only reason I'm not using Fountain App right now is because it heats my iPhone up. And when I keep it in my pocket, it put my butt is on fire. Three weeks later, or maybe actually it was a couple of months after that. It was a, there was a couple of fix releases after that. And then uh, the last one, they fixed the battery heating up issue on the iOS. And I've been using it as my daily driver ever since it has all the features I want. So fountain app, use them or lose them. Let's see, is there anything else to say? What have we learned? People suck, not all people, but enough to make this world kind of cantankerous, which is one of the reasons why I'm cantankerous today on a Friday. And I hope I didn't put you in a bad mood, but this is all truth. You know, I, at least truth as I see it, I reserve the right to be wrong about shit, okay? But as far as I can see it, I told you 100% truth today, even though a lot of it's hard to hear. You could be a staunch Democrat that loves Maxine Waters. If you can't see through that file, that veil of bullshit, then I feel sorry for you. That's the truth. That's not me being mean. That's just fact. It is clear that something is going on with Maxine Waters, especially as she is the chair of the House Banking Committee, that she's not even pushing for us. She's thanking him. She's not pushing people to put him in jail for fraud. No, she's thanking him. Thank you for what? For stealing my constituents' money? That's, you're really going to thank a guy that stole your constituency's money? That's who represents us in Congress? If you, that's what I'm saying. I'm not being mean. We have to start looking at the facts. You have to start reading the map. Otherwise, you're going to get so lost. We will get so lost that we'll never find the road again. And we will be forced to live out our days in, in the back roads of Death Valley waiting for our inevitable demise. Read the map. Hear the facts and listen to them.
I promise I will do nothing but try to give you the truth. I will not shill you an altcoin. I will not shill you staking. I will not shill you a product that I don't believe in. Ever. Because I value my sleep. I also value my eternal soul. I value my reputation. I value my ethics set. And I value my morality. I also value the potential of not going to hell in a handbasket when I leave this planet. With that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.